from the creators who brought you RuPaul's Drag Race and Million Dollar Listing. This is World of Wonders Wow Report. Things that make us go wow. Well, hello, everybody, and welcome to this week's edition of the Wow Report. I'm Fenton Bailey, co-founder of World of Wonders. I'm so excited to be back. I've been on the road for a couple of weeks. Forever. So good to have you back. I tell you, we'd forgotten what you looked like. Forgotten I even existed. Thank you. And you know what? It's really special to be here for our 374th episode with... Blake Jacobs, our so-called millennial producer, and of course the lovely James St. James. Geriatric millennial. Well, here's the thing. We are celebrating today. Blake and James have been at World of Wonder for 16 years apiece. So we just unbelievable. Unbelievable. Might I say that every (laughs) day of those 16 years has been a gift, a joy beyond (laughs) belief. What a liar you are. Like, <laughs> oh my gosh. Now I've got your number. But anyway, sweet happy 16 to James and to Blake. Thank you. Um, on this special edition of the Wow Report. Counting down, of course, you know, as usual, the top 10 things of the week that made us go, wow. wow. Should we start at number 10, James? Well, let's go. Number 10. I watched a Lifetime movie called The Boy in the Walls. And I know that we've talked on this show about a 1970s era made-for-TV movie called Bad Ronald. Just last but, week on our Halloween show, we talked about Bad Ronald. Bad, Bad Ronald. It's this movie that traumatized me as a child about a couple, a family that moves into an old house and they hear things rattling around and there's food that's missing and they feel like they're being watched and come to find out there's a psychotic boy living in the walls who creeps out at night and, and terrorizes them. Well, this is deja vu. Didn't well, we just, what was the episode where we talked about frogging? Like yeah, that, the episode yeah. before Halloween. Yes. <laughs> so this is, this is a late motif on our show. <laughs> talking. Well, Lifetime has done a movie, and it is once again a family moves into a house, and there's here's something rattling around, and food is missing, and blah 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 blah. And it is just terrible. It is the <laughs> worst iteration of this theme that I've come across yet. But I had a wonderful time watching it. It was a great way to while away a Saturday afternoon. But interestingly. Um, it starts off in the very in the very beginning. It says based on a true story. Well, come to find out that the true story is happened in 1987 with a boy named Daniel Laplante who uh, was living in someone's walls and someone's house, which begs the question: Did he this get was, the idea from Bad Ronald? This or was Bad Ronald just an outlier? And remember when I talked about frogging, one of the episodes the sh- of the show was about this Daniel LaPlante guy where he hid in this crawlspace. So, yeah. So, wait. So, Bad Ronald is a movie that came before 1987, right? Yes, it came out in like 1974 or Got something it. like that. And so, the, the idea of people living in walls and crawlspaces, I guess, is both real and in fiction but but who is who is inspired by whom i guess is the question you know the chicken or the egg right. yeah so i guess this movie this boy in the walls had had no idea that bad ronald even existed they were just ba- basing it on this story of daniel plant this this crawl space in the walls is it like apartment size crawl space or what no, sort no, of no, like no. Between the walls in a lot of old houses, there's the wall, and then there's just like a tiny little area that that you can between that and the other part of the wall, I guess. For because they didn't have insulation, so it gave them a little from the outside walls or something. It's a a cavity wall. I think they call it a cavity wall. So yeah, but 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 it's not enough. It's like you have to sort of walk sideways through. But then there's also crawl spaces, and there's all sorts of little areas but this this guy um manages to have like peepholes where he watches them shower and things like that so the movie was so bad that it made it de-traumatized you possibly possibly i'm no longer scared of people watching me in the walls i want to be the person in the walls now is basically it well, i think it sort of sounds fun if i ever if i ever am homeless i'm gonna go find a house with some crawl space 
Well, I mean, I guess this does happen fairly often because the show I watched had 10 episodes about 10 def- different instances. Well, was the boy cute at least? He was sort of cute in a very sort of spooky, psychotic way. I would definitely do him, yes. <laughs> that is not telling us much. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's move on. Uh, that's streaming on Lifetime. Is it, James, is it a new movie from Lifetime? Or? Yes, it just it just debuted uh, this okay. this month. They're doing all scary movies on Lifetime. Oh, I see. Okay. What, okay. Uh, look who's stalking is the next one that I'm going to watch. <laughs> all right. Well, thank you. Uh, number nine. Number nine. Skim Kardashian scandal. Okay. I guess I am old and at this point out of touch because I saw this Kim Kardashian ad for her Skims line, which features the uh, nipple bra. Yes. And she's, of course, you know, everything with Skims is neutral tones. And she sat behind a computer, kind of like Noodles the Pooch. And she's, she's, what is it she's saying? She's saying, Earth's temperatures are getting hotter. The sea levels are rising. The ice sheets are shrinking. I'm not a scientist, but I believe everyone can use their skill set to do their part. That's why I'm introducing a brand new bra with a built-in nipple. So no matter how hot it is, you'll always look cold. I, I, I'm sorry. I know Tom Gamble is not here because he's a vigorous defender of all things Kardashian, but I, my jaw dropped with horror. Like, no, not because I'm an old fogey because I have an objection to nipples. I don't think global warming is a joke. Like, no, I'm sorry, James. And so to use it all as some big joke for her icebergs and her... I was was just... I was like, why is... So I immediately turned to the internet because I know... If you want something to be canceled, you just have to look it up on the internet and someone's mouthing off, condemning them for this or that or the other. Not a word. Everyone's like, oh, it's so genius. Oh, it's so funny. Oh, it's so brilliant. Not a single word about taking the existential problem in vain. What side of, maybe that tells you what side of cancel culture you're on when you're trying to cancel Kim Kardashian I for am. probably the most brilliant uh, product of all time. I certainly am. I don't think there's anything brilliant in underwear worn on the outside. It's been a trend for decades. The, the skim itself, I've always been kind of like, skims, please give me a break. It's just a vest. It's just underwear. It's just, she calls it, uh, what? Shapewear. That's it. Shapewear. What the fuck is shapewear? It's just like... It's just leggings and shit. There's nothing. I so I'm a. I was always like, what Skims is worth one billion, and then two weeks later it's worth two billion, and now it's worth four billion because of a freaking nipple bra. I, I'm yeah. like, I'm sorry, I'm just like, I I am outraged. I am sitting here in <laughs> shock. No, I sort of I I think Skims is very sort of chic and lovely. I think it's I th- I love that it's sort of all flesh tones and and shape. Well, I think it's just I think it's I nipple. thought they just released a men's line too. They did, and I looked them up. It's nothing. It's just underwear. It's a vest. It's a it's a wife beater. It's a there is nothing original like a, a, in a them. She got a billion dollar contract with the NBA to wear it, right? What? FD, it's just underwear, James. Calvin Klein was like 50 years ago. I, oh, I, just, I, oh, am, I am not seeing the originality. The I'm not seeing the contribution to culture. I'm not seeing the usefulness other than, I guess, to accelerate global warming. So it's so good to know that everybody's nipples will be showing as we're <laughs> boiling alive. <laughs> <laughs> we'll look cold while we're bowling alive. I love that this week you're the curmudgeon, that we, we get to alternate who gets to be curmudgeonly. And, and you're the Kardashian defender. I wouldn't dare I'm say defending them, yes. I wouldn't dare say any of this if Tom Campbell was here, because I know he's such a Kardashian <laughs> fan, and I'm sure I'm going to get in trouble next week. But I, I was just, I'm like, really? No one's going to say anything? And even now, look at you. You're just like, ho, ho, ho. I, I'm, 
Well, I think that, I think that we've the pendulum swings back and forth with Kim, especially where sometimes people she's hated, sometimes she's loved, and because mm. she came through the whole thing with with Kanye, I feel like she's a little beloved right now, and that she can do no wrong. Mm, got which is uh, not Taylor Swift, and but apparently. There is a line that, that this is very great for people who've undergone mastectomies. Or I have or seen that. Yes, where a couple of women have said that they, oh. you know, have, have been our sex, our, our cancer survivors, and yeah. but she couldn't have been the first person to come up with a bra that has a nipple point in it. No, come on, it's the wheel. I mean, how long has the wheel been around? Like. Yeah. I feel like in the 50s, there were bras with nipples. I mean, the pointy bra that Madonna used to wear. And I remember an episode of Sex and the City where Samantha had the fake nipples, remember? Yeah, yeah. So, all right. So, red nipples are not a new trend. Number eight. Number eight. Well, the gayest show on television is back with a vengeance, my God. And this season has. Everything, as Stefan would say. It had a five-minute opening montage of women putting on hats. It has oh. all-new bearded, hot-bearded daddy in the form of Cousin Dashel, who is just so handsome, my God. It had a uh, terrifying off-screen gay bashing. It has Cousin Luisa's a reveal that has been building all season last season that she has a secret a deep dark secret and we learned that the secret is that she teaches watercolors to children on thursday afternoons and it's the biggest scandal new york has ever seen um it's the horror will she recover socially um there's uh a big overarching season season plot with Will Bertha get Mrs. Astor to get a seat at the new Metropolitan Opera Company. It's just, we're all on the edge of our seats on pins and needles. Will she get a seat at the opera? The show is terrible. The plots are horrible. The acting is rotten. But it's the best show on television, and I hope it gets 20 seasons. I um, thought you loved it last season, yeah. I do love it. I Don't you get it? I love everything about this. I am literally, the, I, I love every scene of every, uh, the entire cast, especially um, Morgan Spector, who plays Bertha Russell's husband, who is so handsome, and the beard, and he's just dark and swarthy. And also Harry Richardson, who is the son of Ber- of of the Van Ryden, no, the, of Bertha, I guess. And, um, but anyway, Carrie Coon, who is Bertha, who is the nouveau riche, Ari Vist, who arrives on the scene and is trying to take over Manhattan society. Last season, she was pregnant the entire season. And so they could only, the outfits couldn't be that big, fabulous. And they had to just show her from like, you know, the, the, boobs up like she mm-hmm. couldn't but now she is swanning around in the most outrageous nouveau riche ball gowns you've ever seen and she changes you know 50 times an episode it's just absolutely fabulous i you know it really is it is so gay it is so gay what is gay about it? i just i didn't like it and i still don't like it i don't know like what why would i like this bad acting bad scripts I mean, only thing to look at is wallpaper and furniture. And well, it wasn't wallpaper, furniture, and ball gowns enough? And hats, 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 and big hair. It's just and hot guys. They really do some of the really hot, hot guys. I do think this season is picking up the pace. It's it's a little faster pace than it was before. I think you should give it another chance. Um, it's clear that Julian Fellows hates Americans, you know, and loves the the Brits because he's. You know, Gosford Park and Downton mm-hmm. Abbey. He he embraces all that, but he seems to have a lot of disdain for the uh, you know the Americans of this period where everyone is being. Because I guess in his book, every book, they're all a revist. It doesn't matter if you're yeah. the Brooke Astor or the Robert Barons. You know, you, it's all well. You know, I mean, what the, the overarching theme of last year of of last season was: Were the Van Ryans going to cross the street and go and give their card? to the 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 russells you know and thereby enabling the russells to enter into high society that is a real story that happened with the vanderbilts and the asters where the vanderbilts had
had this fabulous house that everyone wanted to go to, but nobody could go to it until Mrs. Astor went and called on her. And so her daughter finally implored her to call on. She gave the card to Mrs. Vanderbilt and went for tea. And after going for tea, that's when the Vanderbilts were allowed into high society. So this is the basically the story of the Vanderbilts and the Astors, but just the Van Ryans and the Russells. All right, that's uh, the Gilded Age on Max, right? Streaming yes. on Max. Um, and we're going to be talking about it every week, so you better get you better get used to it. You better I better catch up. All right, all right, all right. RuPaul's Drag Race UK Series Five is out now on Wild Presents Plus here in the US, Craven Canada, BBC Three in the UK, and also the Aftershave with Danny Beard, a new series where. The winner of season four, Danny Beard, of course, sits down, disses drama, gossip, spills the tea, uh, all things Drag Race UK. Um, so that's every Thursday. Um, check it out on wowpresentsplus.com. Blake, have you got a question for us? I do, I do. Um, remember when we were talking about Kim K getting canceled? On this yeah. very episode? Yeah, we were just talking about Kim K getting canceled. I have no idea. And um her and her 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 line of shapewear skims, remember? Yes, yes. Well, if you remember when she released this line of shapewear, she was almost canceled for what she was going to call the line of shapewear. What was that? Oh, I don't remember. All right, we'll have the answer right after the break here on The Wow Report. You're listening to World of Wonders Wow Report. Things that make us go wow. Welcome back to The Wow Report. I'm Fenton here with my sweet 16-year-olds, James St. <laughs> James and Blake. We're celebrating 16 years, poor things, a world of wonder each. I don't know how they've survived, but somehow they have. And Tom Gabble is away on a secret mission this week. So, what was that question, Blake? Um, I asked, what did Kim Kardashian almost call skims? And she was on, she was canceled for it. Hmm. Oh. I'll give you a hint for cultural appropriation. Something hmm. about... Uh, um... Cheap, trashy clothing is maybe <laughs> what she almost called it. She almost called it kimono. Uh, hmm. But they oh, Kim, get it, kimono. Right, and then people were canceling her for for. I do think Skims is a pretty clever name. Actually, it is good. Yeah, it's, it's, it's Kim. It's Kim, but it's skimmed. Yeah, right. Skims the body. Yeah. yeah, it's just weird. Sometimes I think, like, what if it was called that? It would be so weird. Yeah. Mm. Come on to my house. Come on, come on. Uh, we're counting down the top 10 things that made us go, wow, we've reached number seven. Blake. Number seven. Oh, I'm exhausted <laughs> because I'm just back from a whirlwind trip to Cape Cod, more specifically Provincetown, which is at the very tip of Cape Cod. So um, it's a really little gay village enclave. It's super fun. Usually in the summer, they have weeks. Like, my friends always go to Bear Week in July. There's also Carnival Week, where everyone dresses up. And then there's Fourth uh, of July, which I've heard is called Tweak Week. <laughs> um, <laughs> and then this weekend is Spooky Bear. It's the last big thing of the season before everyone goes home for the summer. The people are still there through October? Yeah, people are there through October. This is the last weekend. There were a lot of things that had closed because, you know, like stores had um, or restaurants had run out of food. So you'd go in and it'd be like, we don't have any tater tots left. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> but it was really fun. My friend Chris Bowen, who went with us, he's a DJ for the Bears and Space Collective. He played at the annual Fag Bash party at the porch bar. Um, and I mean, I want to go another time and actually spend more time in Provincetown and Cape Cod and specifically and less time partying because they have like these dune tours that you can take. They have beaches that you can walk way out to and they have these little shacks where people could live back in the day. Something weird like that. They have whale tours where whales are just like right next to your boat. It's really cool. And have y'all ever spent time up in Cape Cod? 
Yes, I because I've been scouring every bookstore on the planet, and I went to a, a book uh, event there um, yeah. over the summer. And I think there was a bit of a panic, so people were like, "Don't go in the water," because because that's where Jaws was set, and and sharks are quite plentiful up there, especially with global warming that Kim yeah. thinks is such a joke. But, sharks um, are, are really bad in P Town, but John Waters is there every year. All the drivers. It it's very much an artist enclave, and it's always you know Tennessee Williams was always writing there, and it right. was yeah. it's totally gay. It's totally gay. It's really fun. James, it, it, Blake was group texting us the other day about getting back and the travel. And I thought it was you who was texting. And I thought you were at Spooky Bear. And I was like, I don't understand. James went to Spooky Bear? I, <laughs> no, 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 no. I would love to. I'd love to see it sometime, though. Um, you know, it's funny because I remember last year um, there was uh, American Horror Story was set in P-Town over the winter with Macaulay Culkin as a methed out um yeah i think it was vampires two years ago it was the double feature season yeah oh yeah the first half was about provincetown but it's super expensive which sucks but if you haven't get a chance to go or even you know the one thing that sucks is flying into boston that Um, airport and getting out of the airport because it was built for horses and carriages so getting there, there's underground tunnels that once you're under there, your your GPS doesn't know where you are. So it's it's crazy. And then you get a ferry, right? A lovely uh, long ferry ride, which is you can do ride. that. But I think that was out of season. So the water's super choppy right now. So mm. we had to rent a car. You can also fly, but that's expensive. Got so. it. Well, that's Spooky Bear. And Spooky Bear itself is an one event or a party and everyone... Yeah. Yeah, it's the weekend of Halloween every year in Provincetown. Spooky Bear. Hmm. All right. Well, um, number six, James. Number six. Um, number six, I am reading a new book that just came out called Glitter and Concrete, A Cultural History of Drag in New York City. It just came out by a woman named Alyssa Max Goodman. It's absolutely fascinating. It starts in the 1860s, 1870s with the Harlem drag balls and then goes through. I didn't realize, but there was a, a drag king uh, sort of sent a, lot, a number of sense drag king sensations in the 1890s. Um, uh, Ella Wesney, Annie Hindle, Kitty Donor, um, a number of them. And then, uh, that was mostly in Harlem. And then in the um, 1900s and 1920s, there was Julian Eltinge, who was the most famous drag king of all time, bigger than RuPaul, bigger than Tom Cruise. I mean, mainstream superstardom on Broadway and vaudeville. He was everywhere. He had, uh, you know, he was in magazines, magazine covers, just gorgeous, gorgeous, gorgeous. But to offset that, he was also a boxer in his male persona so that uh-huh. he couldn't be accused of being gay. So he, that was Julian Altenge. And then there's Bert Savoy in the 1920s, who was this outrageous, bitchy, bitchy drag queen who was on the vaudeville circuit. And he was on Broadway too. And um, he had a number of shows that he wrote of uh, bills around himself. And he had a famous saying that was, um, uh, come see me girls or something like that. And that's where Mae West got her come up and see me sometime that she based her whole persona on this Burt Savoy character who was just huge, huge, huge. And it goes through like the thirties and forties with the pansy circuit. And then in the forties and fifties, there was, you know, the house of American un-American activities and it shut down all the gay bars and everything. And then in the sixties, we start up again with the Warhol's Queens. And then in the seventies and then it's the eighties, it goes into pyramid and boy bar. It, it goes all the way up and Fenton, you and I are both mentioned in it. We are both quoted in it very um, briefly, but we're there. Um, <laughs> uh, you and Randy are quoted on when drag race comes along and uh, sort of talking about that. And um, uh, it's fascinating. It's a really fascinating, fascinating people I had heard of maybe like Julian Altange, but I didn't really know. I've about heard him. that name before too. That's yeah, he, he was, he was very good. He did like a sort of um, an 1890s drag sort of, you know, with the S shape with the Gibson girl hair. Very, uh-huh. very beautiful. Um, but I'm sort of thinking that maybe we do a bonus episode of the podcast and have her on talking about some of these famous 
drag queens and drag kings that we've ne- people have never heard of. Yeah, I think that would be great. Um, but yeah. it, it's not. It's not. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's do that. That's a great idea. I mean, it, it's sort of outside the purview a little bit, where she's not in it. You know, we have actual superstars on the show, but she just talks about the stars. But I think it's fascinating. I think that you should get a copy of this. I mean, we just download. I, while you were speaking, I ordered it from Amazon. Uh-huh. Yeah, yeah. I think I, it's really fascinating, and it's a lot of history that um, you didn't know, but maybe, but maybe you did. I don't. I don't know. It's, it, I didn't. Actually, I don't know that sort of prehistory. You know that sort of. We all seem to think everything begins with you know the sixties and the seventies, but it yeah. Doesn't. And, um, and interestingly, you know, the drag balls in Harlem in the eighteen hundreds and early nineteen hundreds that um, uh, we people talk about, but it's not like, you know, Butch Queen in drag, first time in drag, or, you know, like executive realness. Mm. It was basically just about parading up and down the stage and who had the most, the sparkliest ball gown and things like that. But it was very bitchy and very catty. And there were, you know, fights that broke out and things like that. Well, what did, what was, what were you quoted as like, what, what was your part about? Oh, um, it was um, talking about party monster how the club kids came and sort of adopted drag into their own manner and you know the drag queens weren't that happy with us but it was it's sort of an iteration on its own of of how you know right scenes morph into other scenes did she have a a sort of theory about like did did she argue about why it happened in new york city because i love that title glitter and concrete the sort of urbanness of it all like is is it some sort of the the drag in new york was from early, early on, it was protected by the mafia, whereas in other places it wasn't. So the, there were national um, laws against dressing as dressing in other, is the other sex, right. but you would be protected at these places in New York. See, that is fantastic. That's so yeah. Like, so we, we owe it all to um, the ma- true yeah. time. To- yeah. Um, in fact, you know, like for so long, like when you performed, you had to have one piece of male clothing on if you were a woman, and then there had to be a reveal at the end where you pull the wig off and show that you're a man because you couldn't be portrayed. You had to to be a you know a man as a woman. You couldn't just be portraying yourself as a woman. And I'd heard also that um, in addition to that, James, that that in bars, gay bars, you weren't you could be arrested for looking at each other, and apparently mm-hmm. that's why they have all the mirrors. So you can look at someone oh. without looking at them. That, that's that was... interesting because that's how the, the gay bashing in the Gilded Age starts where he's in a bar and he looks through the mirror and sees a guy and they, they're exchanging glances through the mirror and then he buys him a drink and then they go into an alley and get beat up. There you go. The things Ooh, we learn was... on the show. It's amazing. It's amazing. Okay, well, that is Glitter and Concrete by... Alicia, Alicia Goodman, I believe. Hmm. And of course, you can get that on Amazon or or, or fine bookstores. Alyssa, Ma- Alyssa Max Goodman, yeah. Alyssa Max Goodman, fantastic. Number five. Number five. Thanks a million. So, you remember um, back in August there was uh, I, th- I want to say his name right, Kai Sanat, um, an influencer, young influencer. He did a like a I'm going to be giving stuff away in Union Square Park and. Immediately, a mob scene developed, and in there was a, a riot, and mm-hmm. people were injured, and there were sixty-five people arrested. This was back in August, and he was just giving away like stuff. I mean, not a lot. Well, this week I saw um, a guy called Camille Bardoshek, who is a Czech influencer who goes by the name of Kazma. He dropped one million dollars from a helicopter above a field in um, in the Czech Republic. Yes, oh. he did. He was running a competition on his socials where people had to decode a clue from a, something called One Man Show the Movie. I couldn't really tell you what that is. I haven't looked it up. But One Man Show the Movie, and there was a clue in it as to where the $1 million was. And basically, you had to register, follow him or register to solve the thing, and no one solved it. So he decided that the solution would be to instead give the money away to everybody who had registered to be a part of the competition. So he posted uh, a cryptic post at like 6 a.m. in the morning, giving essentially giving coordinates 
And then he rented a helicopter. He got one of those containers that are on container ships, loaded it up with a million dollars, flew in the air, and above the town of Lisa Nad Lahem, opened the doors and dropped a million dollars on the thousands of people below. And how did that go for for the thousands of people? I can't imagine. Well, from his point of view of his traffic on his site, it went very well um, because he posted the video and it got a million views. Um, He said, called it the first real money rain in the world. And no one has died or got injured. So that's, I guess, seen as a positive. Um, That's what I was wondering. It seems like it would cause a stampede. There were like 4,000 people figured out where he was going to be. And they were all running around with bags. Slightly weirdly, one site said that um, some people brought umbrellas to grab as much money as possible. I don't see how that works. But it upside down, maybe, and catch it. Oh, yeah. Sometimes, you know, like when they when that catches the wind and it goes, it inverts itself. Oh, OK, but like, not, I'm not normally around when money's flying through the air, so I wouldn't. I don't know. <laughs> well, but it sort of sounds to me like like that's not something that you can just wake up in the morning and decide to do the the the, the logistics of renting the helicopter, getting the box, getting a million dollars in like one dollar bills. I mean, it, it, that that takes a lot of planning, doesn't it? It did. I mean, I I I I don't mean that from when he posted the cryptic message about where to be that he then said <laughs> about. The I think he planned. He got in the money. He got in the helicopter. Got in the container and all that malarkey. But it looks. I mean, my immediate instinct was, well, this is not real, but looks totally real. And the weird thing is, I mean, that's the weird thing. I, can, I can't figure out why Kim Kardashian isn't cancelled about her global warming, and I can't figure out why this story isn't everywhere. It only seems to have been picked up by the India Times, and it's sort of big in India, but not anywhere else. Anywhere did it else. tell? Did the story say how much, like one particular person got? Like one person managed to nab ten thousand dollars or something was there a big winner of the day no it did say that every banknote had a qr code attached to it so that people could link it to an online platform and give the money away to charity which also seemed well i don't think i would do that no you wouldn't you would run to bargdorf's (laughs) <laughs> right. Watching your like five dollars of <laughs> Should we take a break? Let's do it. All right. Uh Wow Presents Plus, we have a new show, Sissy That Psyche, coming November the sixth. Oh, and Greg Hearts Drag on November the eighth. What so, is Sissy That Psyche? Sissy That Psyche is the Sissies, um, Dr. Brinkley, his fiance and his best friend from Aunt Jackie Productions. And spotted them one year at DragCon, and they were just tearing the place up. They were doing a sort of, um, sometimes before the panel, it's like, let's warm the crowd up. And they were doing this fabulous walking thing, and they were wearing practically nothing. And they were just like stars. It was, it, it's like, they're amazing. And Sissy, the, in Sissy That Psyche, they look at, because Dr. Brinkley is a psychologist, um, they look at scenes from Drag Race and sort of break them down in terms of what's going on in terms of oh, that's issues people might have. Yeah. That's cool. Huh. I'm looking Gre- forward to that. Looking forward to all of them. Greg is the host of Drag Race Brazil. Ah, yeah. of Queen of the Universe. And Greg is a superstar from Brazil. Love and it. Sign up at wowpresentsplus.com. Thank you. You got a question? I've got a question for you. This one's weird. A dead body will never float to the surface in Lake Superior. Why? Mm-hmm. We'll have the answer for you right after the break here on the Wow Report on Radio Andy. You're listening to World of Wonders Wow Report. Things that make us go wow. Welcome back to the Wow Report. Fenton here with James St. James and Blake Jacobs. Tom Campbell is away on a special mission this week. Um, We're counting down the top 10 things that made us go wow. Blake, you had a question. Yeah, I did. Um, A body, a dead body will never float in Lake Superior. Why is that? Something about like maybe the, the iron in the water or something like that. Or maybe it's just so cold. Close. Fenton? Yeah, I guess the, it's so cold that the body doesn't decompose, and if the body doesn't decompose, oh, it, it doesn't fill with gases. gases. Yeah. 
Water, okay, so Lake Superior has three quadrillion gallons of cold water, water that is so cold a dead body will never surface because the water is never warm enough to grow the bacteria needed to cause a dead body to float. There you go, there you go. Well, you know, the the interesting thing about um, Lake Superior is that, like, all the shipwrecks, I mean, there's a lot of shipwrecks there, but they never, like, they're all in pristine condition because they never get it, they never rot or anything because the water is so freezing. So it's right. all like it's everything is just perfectly preserved. That's why is Lake right. Superior colder than you know around the Antarctic or something? I don't know. Maybe they don't float in the other lakes. Maybe it's just further north, or mm. well, I guess there's probably no like probably so there's deep currents. And... You know that that so warm currents that float that go up and all over, whereas that everything is just centralized there and it's just static. right. Oh, right. Fascinating. All right. Um, number four. Number four. Um, on the, my flight back last night from Provincetown, from Boston, um, we were delayed by three hours and it was hell. But I did come across this movie that I cannot believe either one of you have talked about on this show before. It's about the 80s Blitz kids from London. It's called Blitz. The 80s Blitz Kids story. And neither one of you have heard it, right? Heard of who, tell, who, what, when, where, how, how who, tell, what, what are the specifics so, about this? Well, it, it's, I've looked it up and you can watch this for free on Tubi or you can rent it elsewhere. I love me some Tubi. I spend more time on Tubi than anywhere else. Well, this is what you're watching tonight. You'll love it. It is. It's an hour and a half long, directed by Bruce Ashley and Michael, Michael Donald. Do you guys know them? No, uh, maybe they were clo- uh, Blitz kids. This is Talking Head documentary. It has Michelle Clapton, Fiona Dealey, Rusty Egan, Darla Jean Gilroy, Stephen Jones, who does the hats for the Queen. Sure, yeah. Um, my favorite one was this one called. Her name is Princess Julia. Oh, oh I yeah. love Princess Julia. Uh, yeah, uh, I loved her and her accent. It was so uh-huh. funny. And boy, George's teeth. Oh my God, he that has the whitest, teeth, sure, yeah. teeth. I was like, oh. And Marilyn, you know, who was Boy George's best friend, lover. Oh, oh we know Marilyn. Oh. What, when was my favorite hair of Marilyn's was when she had like the dreadlocks? Yes, what? I love those. She's so good. So I love it because they're so awful. They were, it's before like we really knew how to do hair extensions and they're uh-huh. just like a totally different color. His bangs are coming up. Oh, just terrible hair, but love so it. beautiful. So um, Well, this kind of starts um, and it talks about after World War II, you know, London was still looked bombed everywhere right yes okay yeah well i'm asking you and then it was everyone was like protesting yes but honey the uh, world war ii was in the 1944 the blitz kids were in the 80s i mean like i guess this is what you're saying is in the post in the in the punk era of the 70s when margaret thatcher and everyone is is protesting and they're all the food lines and short and taxing and all that stuff like that. There, London was in a state of absolute upheaval exactly. during the 1970s, which is why, how the, is, is a re, response to punk, the post-punk era of the Blitz kids was all glamour and, and right. uh, yes. And right. strange and Steve all the strange visage, they degrade. They yeah, talked a lot yeah. about that. They, I didn't know that Spandau Ballet actually came from the sure. Blitz Club. And yeah. I actually didn't know any other Spandau Ballet. I didn't know they were so important to, like, oh, history. Because yeah. I just thought they were a one-hit wonder with, like, true. Right. You know? But there's also, you know, I mean, like, that's where Lee Bowery and, you know, everybody gets their start there with the New Romantic. The New Romantic was... Yes. Yeah. Adam and Adam Ant. Oh, yeah. Andy Polaris. Oh. Malcolm McLaren was he it, it, like yeah they didn't ha- they didn't talk to him but he was mentioned for sure Did they do they Scarlett told- um she had the blonde hair and there was like there was a bunch of post punk people that were really spectacular Rachel Auburn maybe they were awesome I I didn't see their names on there maybe I don't who know. was Kinky Galinky James oh Kinky Galinky um well she had the club uh Kinky Galinky for a while remember right. that was sort of it went it went um uh. 
the Blitz and then Taboo. And then there was like Kinky Girl Inky and mm. a couple other places. I can't really remember right now. Gerlinda. Gerlinda. Yeah, was her name. Oh, Gerlinda. That's it. Yes. Yeah. How did Steve Strange die? He had like, I mean, sort of tragically, you know, Fade to Grey was pretty much his only hit. He only had a couple of hits. And so I think for quite a long time thereafter, he was kind of bumping along. Um, um, if you remember, he was at our Party Monster party in uh, um, when we had the London premiere. He was there. In fact, I um, went to go to a bathroom stall and I opened up the stall and he was sitting there with a friend of ours smoking crack in the stall. And they were like, you want to join? <laughs> it was like actual crack. It was just, I was a little shocked to say the James St. James was shot. I was, I was. Because I, you know, I mean, he, Steve Strange is an icon. Um, also, if and Pete Burns was there, right? Too. Burns was there. All, Holly Johnson was there, if you remember. Right? Philip yeah. Salon. The Pet Shop Boys were there. The Pet Shop Boys. Oh, everyone was there. But um, I don't know if you remember, there was um, Lee Bowery had a counterpart, he had a boyfriend counterpart, best friend, Trojan. Yes. Who, who was a big part of the New Romantics. And Trojan famously... Um, wanted to go down in art history like Van Gogh cutting off his ear. So he had Lee Bowery chop off his hand in a nightclub with a meat cleaver. No. And then they, they managed to reattach it. And then he tragically passed away after that. But that was like his big, like they, when the Lee came out after him with a meat cleaver and chopped his arm off. I <laughs> have never heard that story, James. Yeah. I've heard it in the crowd with, um, you know. Doo-doo in Thank you. you know, uh, how does the documentary end? Like, what's the sort of big takeaway? Apart uh, from everyone well, died. It, they kind of say at the end, like, the, the, the death knell of the club was when Mick Jagger came up and tried to get in and they didn't let him in. But they were kind of like, you know, if Mick Jagger's trying to get into the Blitz, it's the beginning of the end, you know. So it was a really good documentary. It, it There are a lot of parallels between that and the club kid thing, I thought. So sure. I loved it. And it was definitely a tsunami of hype in that, you know, Spandau Ballet, I don't think they even played like one gig before they landed this massive record contract. Right. They, I think they were at this. They talked about the band invited all the, the Blitz kids to this rehearsal space on a Saturday morning. And they were like, somehow they all showed up. And a guy from... Island Records, I think, was there, and he just asked, "Who's the manager to this band?" And the guy was like, "Me," and he signed them. Mm. And then they were on top of the pops. They were, yeah, that's right. Wow. All right. Um, that's the uh, Blitz, the '80s Blitz Kids, uh, streaming on Tubi, right? That's right. Mm-hmm. Number three, James. Number three. Number three was a documentary that I watched on HBO Max. Um, called AKA Mr. Chow. And it's about the, you know, famed restaurateur uh, owner of Mr. Chow's and how he, um, it's his life story about how he escaped from China with his family. Um, His father was a famous star of the Peking opera and uh, they left China during some, I guess, Mao Zedong. I I mean, I I guess during that whole era um, where there was some purges and stuff like that. And he ended up in London and he was studying art at St. Martin's. And then he decided to go into the restaurant business. And you think that it's all going to be about how fabulous Mr. Chow's was and all the, how it was the Warhol hangout and Michelle Basquiat and Keith Haring and, you know, Cher and everybody, you know, Mick Jagger and blah, 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 blah. But it really isn't. That takes up like three minutes of the documentary. And then you think that it's all going to be about, well, first of all, I didn't realize that he'd been married to Grace Coddington from Vogue. Which is sort of the thing. Yeah, so that he was married to her before he was married to Tina Chow, and then he married Tina Chow. And you think that the documentary is going to veer into the whole, you know, she was the most beautiful woman on the planet. She was a jewelry designer. She was an heiress, and she um, had the biggest collection of Balenciaga gowns. And she was a fashion icon, and and everyone swooned when she walked in the room. And then she died tragically of AIDS in 1992, and was one of the first really high profile like cis women uh to you know to die of it 
I mean, even though she wasn't, it was it captured a lot of you know. But but once again, the documentary doesn't delve into that that much. What it delves into is Mr. Chow is now an artist, and his his whole world now is making these huge, gigantic, like Julian Schnabel esque three D um, paintings that with uh, with with eggs and blowtorches and this and that and he and <clears throat> really crazy crazy stuff. <clears throat> but he is now this very taken very seriously in the art world. Well, he was sort of talks about how hard difficult it was to transfer going from being a restaurateur to being taken mm. seriously as an artist. But now he has this, it's all about building up towards this big gallery showing that he's doing with these like 40, just gigantic. I mean, it's just fascinating, but it's, it's when the, the documentary zigs when you think it's going to zag and you never it, like, you think that it's going to be all about one thing and it's really all about his art career. And so it's sort of interesting. How did he do that? Like make that pivot or that, how did he get taken seriously? Like, cause well, um, it was an art world hangout for so long with Schnabel and Francesco Clemente and, you know, all those in Warhol and everybody hung out there. And so he knew Graydon Carter, Vanity Fair was, it was really backed him very early on. And he, um, I guess when you have enough, that much money, you can just buy your way into a gallery. You know, he manages to use everything he knew got from, from social climbing all those years and parlayed it into a new career. And did you like the I film? do think that Graydon Carter was very uh, helpful in, you know, in this. Mm-hmm. And you like it, the doc? It's good? Um, it's good, yes. Um, it, it's, it's like I said, I would have liked to, to have been a little more about Tina Chow and a little bit more about the Warhol scene and stuff like that. But it's, it's fascinating. That's AKA Mr. Chow streaming on Max. Number two. Number two. Big stink of Louisville. This is that item on the Wire Report where we talk about poo. Been traveling a little bit, been in Louisville filming something. And so went went up to my room, brushed my teeth, getting ready for bed. Long day of filming. And, you know, sometimes in a hotel, the sink can be a bit stinky. You're like, hmm. So I was like, hmm. Then I walked into the bedroom and I was like, oh, my God, what happened? The smell was overpowering. Like, and um, I thought, well, maybe there's been some sort of chemical leak or some sort of industrial plant accident. This is a hotel downtown Louisville. So I called the front desk and I said, there's a really awful smell in my room. You know? <clears throat> and they were like, oh, yes, yes, of course. Yes, we know what that is. And I mean, what do you mean you know what that is? <laughs> they were like... Well, um, if it doesn't rain for a bit in Louisville, the sewer gas just builds up and the whole of downtown just stinks of poo. Yeah, 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 really overpowering. Nothing you can do. You can't open the windows because it's outside. I mean, it's everywhere. I mean, at first I thought someone had taken a shit in my room or something. I was like, you know... And but but the, I called the friend and they're like, oh yes, that's what happens if it hasn't rained for a bit, you know, cheapy, cheery, cheery, you know. There you go. <laughs> and it was like that for like two nights, like around ten or eleven at night. You the would smell gas would like waft up. Well, did um, it rain or something, and that's why you never smelt it, or? Yeah, apparently, like the dry months, and with global warming that Kim Kardashian thinks is such a joke. With the dry months increasing, <laughs> in you Oregon, are a dog with a bone. <laughs> it's going to be worse and worse and worse because they like some of those sewer pipes are like two hundred years old, and they say they're working sixteen hours a day, seven days a week to do stuff. But it's it was a I mean, lot. I bet next time you go to Louisville for work, you'll stay outside of downtown, right? Yeah, I mean maybe if smorching. If fortune smiles on me, I won't have to go again. Like it's it was really <laughs> it was really it was that, a lot. I mean, don't aren't they known for like baseball or something? It was where the Kentucky Derby is and um Louisville uh, Sluggers that came yeah. from there, sure. Right. Mint juleps, I guess, are a part and of Mary that. Mary Lou Whitney, of course. And shit. And I think um 
uh, F. Scott Fitzgerald when he was in the war actually served there so that when Daisy Buchanan is in the bathtub in The Great Gatsby clutching a letter that's disintegrating, apparently she was in the Sealback Hotel in Louisville, in old Louisville. The huh. things we learn. The things we learn. So, uh, but I, I'm sure they didn't have that problem in The Great Gatsby era. They were brand new then. Yeah. Well, yeah, it's just like, I guess there's a lot more people around and a lot more poo and, and, what, and the sewage pipes are older. All right. Um, WoW presents it sickening on a global level, sweeties. Drag Race Canada Series 4 premiering November 16th. How's that for a segue? Yeah, Blake, it's, thank you very much. A lot more people and a lot more poo. Now, Jocko, let's talk a little bit about Drag Race. <laughs> And RuPaul's Drag Race UK on Thursdays, of course, and Drag Race Germany on Mondays, and Drag Race Brazil on Tuesdays. So, wowpresentsplus.com is where you need to go. Okay, one more break, and then when we come back, the number one thing this week that made us go, wow. You're listening to World of Wonders Wow Report. Things that make us go wow. Welcome back to the Wow Report. It's Fenton here with James and Blake. Guys, congratulations on your 16-year anniversary of World of Wonder. Oh, thank you. You're so special. Wait, that's not number one. No, it's not. I'm just being nice. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Can I give you, like, extra props and, like, a little stroking? Uh, As I mentioned at the top of the show, it it has been a joy to be at World of Wonder. World of Wonder is our family it is our our home. It is our freaks. Our, yeah, it is. It is our tribe. We we have we are all freaks that have found each other. So there you is, go. It is wonderful. I but feel very I, lucky. I do want to sort of move it along a little bit, and I want to talk about um, number one, the new House Speaker uh, Mike Johnson, who is a Christo fascist nut job. He is mm. anti-gay, anti-LGBT, anti-marriage equality, anti-abortion. He wants to gut Social Security and Medicaid. He, uh, I mean, there's so many things about him that are so, um, you know, he's he just. I was kind of surprised that they even managed to find a speaker. I mean, that that un, that in itself seems quite an achievement for them. Well, no, I have a a. a, a feeling that all along that was the plan to install this horrible person and they were just putting up people that they knew wouldn't get through knew wouldn't get through and then at the last minute here we have we need to get someone through go you don't have any time to think about it so they shoved him. Mm. so everyone's sort of exhausted by the whole process and doesn't yeah. doesn't really pay attention but, but to... i think they purposely exhausted them you know mm. that's like olfactory fatigue which is the issue of old louisville is that you get so used to the stink that mm-hmm. when it approaches dangerous levels, you just don't notice it. Wow, yeah. Wow. So, as a metaphor for our times. Well, thank you, James. Thank you, Blake. Uh, thank you for listening. And um, same time, same place next week. Until then, go out and do something that makes the world go. Wow. <laughs>